Today, every day, small cap investors visit Agoracom knowing this is the day to discover the world's next great company to have their dreams come true. That's why I take to the open road to find them, to tell their stories, to engage them, to bring them to life because they want to connect with you from your office, your phone, your home, anywhere. Agoracom, find your dream. Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives right after they put out big news. And big news is what we have today with Alex Somjian. He's president of Hollister Biosciences. The company trades on the CSE under the stock symbol H-O-L-L. And for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under H-O-B. And for our friends in the U.S., H-S-T-R-F. Now, for those of you new to the story, and that's still going to be some of you because the company's growing but this is an amazing story. Uh, Hollister is a multi-state cannabis company. Uh, they've got multiple high-quality products that are now carried in 230 of California's 600 dispensaries. So that penetration alone is fantastic. And they're also in 80 dispensaries uh, throughout Arizona. Uh, in California, they've got the number one, at least last time we spoke, we get, it, we'll, we get that update from Alex, the number one hash-infused pre-roll called Hashbone. Now, more than just lip service, that a lot of talk. The, the all that is translating to, into incredible numbers. They just put out their Q2. That's what we're here to talk about. Record revenue, 8.5 million. I'm rounding up just a little bit there, versus 200,000 guys. That's 4,107 percent growth, and it's profitable because they had a net income of 300,000 come out of that. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Here to talk about the company is Alex. Welcome to the show, my man. George, thanks so much for having me on again. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for that uh, terrific lead-in. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you said it. We're really thrilled uh, to turn in such a strong quarter. Um, you know, we saw substantial year-over-year -year revenue growth across our three, three main verticals, which are concentrates, pre-rolls, and, and contract manufacturing services. And as you mentioned, we turned in a, a profitable quarter as well. And I have to give a big shout-out to... Carl and Jake and the rest of the team, uh, sure. because without their tireless effort, uh, we definitely couldn't uh, couldn't show these this type of financial performance. So um, we're, we're look, thrilled you, about look, it. You you said yeah. substantial performance, great performance. It's not. It's ridiculous performance. It really is. Two hundred thousand <laughs> in quarterly revenue Q two to eight point four seven million. And I know a lot of that is from the Venom acquisition, uh, but a lot of that's from your organic side as well. Before we even dive into those numbers, how do you guys feel over there as a company? How should your shareholders be feeling about, you know, th this kind of a move? Well, I, I think everybody should be feeling very positive. You know, we, we, we're building some serious momentum here. Um, you know, uh, we, we strive to, you know, generate solid revenue and, and we strive for profitability and we've shown that in, in the Q2 results uh, and we hope to continue that performance and I, I can tell you everybody at Hollister is thrilled um, and, and I think shareholders should be pleased very pleased with the performance as well. Let's talk about the numbers a little bit and then want to get into growth because I'm, I'm doing some extrapolation sure. but I don't want to go there yet. Uh, that performance where did it primarily come from 
and where are you guys seeing growth drivers? Right. So um, the the performance was mainly attributable to to capturing you know both hard and soft synergies as a result of the Venom acquisition, as you mentioned. Um, it's also attributable to increased brand awareness for Hollister's existing brand portfolio in California. Um, and then also just generating efficiencies uh, where and when we could. Uh, one thing I want to talk to you about is the dispensary penetration. There are 600 dispensaries in California. You're in 230. So you're in over 33%. Um, that alone, I guess, is a company maker and people would be happy if that's where they were. Do you guys plan on growing that? Do you think there, uh, you know, uh, as a result, of the extract side or the new things you're doing, do you see that growing or are you going to go in a different direction as far as growth goes? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's high on our list to further penetrate the dispensary network in California. We're also in 80 dispensaries in the state of Arizona as well through the Venom acquisition. Uh, as we engage in, in more strategic partnerships, the, the Tommy Chung uh, Cannabis Partnership really helps with that. Rolling out new products helps with further dispensary penetration. Getting Venom into California and then, and then selling the Venom product line through the, the California dispensary network through, through our partnership with Indus will we'll all be contributing factors to increase the number of dispensaries that our product line is found in. So that's definitely high on our list. Um, we also think that, um, you know, and we can talk about this maybe a bit later in the interview, but we also think that a direct to consumer um, delivery solution it, um, it makes sense in, in the current environment as well. And we will talk about that. I want to touch on something you just said there about the dispensary. You know, Venom is a really strong, powerful presence in Arizona, and you want to get those products into the, into the dispensaries in California. How is that timeline looking? Because I've got to figure their products are so great. Their extract products are so great in Arizona that the California dispensary is just dying to get them. Even if you even if you penetrate just the existing dispensaries you have without any new growth. What kind of what kind of growth could that look like, uh, just to get those just to get those venom products into the California side of the business? Uh, it's tough to put a number on you know uh, forecast percentage growth in terms of um, you know how, how many dispensaries we can pick up. Um, in, in terms of the the design and build out of, of Venom's extraction lab in Hollister, California and Arizona are kind of different beasts in terms of how they're regulated. Uh, California is a bit more tightly regulated in terms of the specs. To, to build out an extraction lab uh, in the state of California, uh, building out a C1D1 facility. So, um, and, and as everybody knows, the construction industry has been severely impacted by, by the pandemic. So we have seen some delay on that front. We're hoping um, to have the, you know, the lab built out by year end, um, that, that's our hope. Um, it could more likely be uh, maybe Q1 of next year. Okay. Um, but, you know, as we know, Venom's concentrates are incredibly popular in Arizona. They've captured big market share there. The California marketplace is a lot more competitive. However, we do feel there is a, a gap in the market for, you know, well-priced, high-quality concentrates in the California market. So I, I do think we will see substantial uh, dispensary growth once we do get Venom up and running in California. Um Final, final question on growth here as far as uh, the, this side of the business. Um, should I just be extrapolating? And I'm not asking you to, get, to give a number because you can't, but look, $8.5 million, 8.47 to be exact, but let's round it up to 
that's a that's a powerful number. I extrapolate that over four quarters. That's thirty four million dollars in in revenue. Am I yeah. can you know, is that a reasonable inference, or or you might tell me, hey George, Q two wasn't was just a really strong a really strong quarter that you can't extrapolate, or you might be telling me, George, we expect further growth beyond the eight point five million quarter. How should shareholders be looking? You know, if they have to kind of white white do some back of the napkin uh, uh, math. I think, um, you know, it, it, it could be looked at as a base case. Um, you know, that's, that's been our run rate year to date. Um, we haven't yet expanded Venom into California. We haven't yet expanded into new states. And those are going to be key revenue drivers for us. So, you know, I think this quarterly number is, is repeatable. Um, you know, all else being equal, I think this, this could be considered a run rate. Um, and that's in USD, by the way. But I think it's also right. important to consider that, you know, we haven't put any of these key revenue drivers in place yet. You know, expansion of Venom into California, new state expansion. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, those could be very accretive as well. Yeah, just just for me. And it makes sense what you're saying. I got to tell you, that's what excites. That's what really excites me here. You know, it's almost like the 8.5 million now is your foundation base case and you're growing from there. So I can't wait to see, you know, what happens as you uh, you know, as you, as you ramp up Venom in California. Let's switch over to, you mentioned it, so let's talk about it. Dream Delivery, that's your right. direct-to-consumer initiative that yep. you expect to launch uh, in Q4. Let's talk about how you guys, you know, what was the reason for doing it and how big you think that could be going forward? Well, I think it's, um, it's an important strategic shift for us. You know, we, we look at the value chain and, and, you know, I think it is high on our list of strategic objectives to backward integrate and forward integrate. Um, you know, backward integrate meaning, you know, gain control, either contract supply of, of trim that, that feeds, you know, our Arizona operation um, and raw material that feeds our California operation or, or, or acquire cultivation outright. And then in terms of forward integration, you know, I think the pandemic has reshaped possibly in a permanent fashion consumer behavior. And, and I think, um, you know, browsing a physical storefront, uh, i.e. a dispensary could be, you know, de-emphasized. So, you know, that led us to kind of accelerate our plan to roll out a, a direct to consumer solution, uh, which we're going to call Dreamy Delivery. And we anticipate that uh, we'll have the first delivery hub up and running in our home state of California uh, by the end of this year. Uh, and then we'll expand outward into different counties, go through the licensing process and hope to have statewide direct-to-consumer delivery in place by the end of next year. Devil's advocate on that, because I always want to make sure these interviews, you know, are really A, interesting and B, truly, you know, if I can feel what the shareholders are asking at home, I want to be able to almost, you know, channel them uh, through me. So devil's advocate, one, is there any chance that you might actually, you know, uh, this might hurt your dispensary business? Is there a chance that the dispensary is saying, hey, Hollister, if you guys are going direct to consumer, uh, you know, we can't support that because you're going directly after our customers. Do you think you'll get any pushback from that? Uh, I think it's possible. However, I do think there's the possibility for the two to coexist for quite some time. And I think, you know, certain market segments, maybe the younger demographic, um, you know, that are so mobile enabled might, um, who, who aren't necessarily as keen to visit a dispensary might, uh, might be, you know, more attracted to the ability to, you know, browse 
product online and then order it direct to their doorstep. And the second devil's advocate question is, how do you make sure, because anytime you go direct to consumer, uh, I've seen typically those models can get really expensive because uh, now you go, you, you got to do marketing. You got, you know, whereas, you know, in a dispensary or agency model or distributor model, you let them do all that work. So how do you make sure that going direct to consumer uh, doesn't eat up the company's financing in terms of marketing costs and even infrastructure, right? In order to set up a statewide delivery, don't get me wrong. That sounds amazing. I think that's the future. I think going direct to consumers, you have to have that, but how do you give shareholders comfort at home that, you know, you don't end chewing through the chewing through the company's successful finances to get there. Yeah, well, I, I think a lot a lot of it can be outsourced, um, and, and there are a lot of cost saving uh, cost savings available to you to roll out a, a direct to consumer model. I think the message is that you know we're going to take it slowly. We're going to take it county by county, and see how it goes, and ensure that you know the business, the direct to consumer side of the business, is feasible and profitable. Uh, before we expand it aggressively. So we'll start in you know, our home, home state, home county, and expand outward from there strategically. Beyond uh, the venom extract acquisition, the concentrates, that, that's great. Beyond your organic products is before venom, you're already in 220 dispensers in California. So bam, bam, solid. Something a lot of people may not know is you've also got some great JVs and partnerships. Like, yeah, and, and high level. And the one I want to ask you about, because you kind of mentioned in the press release, is about this uh, this partnership with Tommy Chong and his brand. Uh, how's that developing? First of all, how's that coming along? And how do you see that aiding in your growth outside of just more sales? Right. So obviously, that's a very high profile JV partner we have in Chong, Tommy Chong's cannabis. Uh, very happy to to report that the one to one elixir. Uh, Tommy Chong Elixir is launched in the market. It's available for sale currently in 20 dispensaries in California, and that number is growing. So again, uh, that type of new product is is really powerful in terms of getting us into new dispensaries. So I think it's it's really going to help on that front. And you know, I just think it kind of lends a lot of cred credibility to our overall cause to have such a high profile JV partner that is keen to work with us. And and what does that say? Clearly, what does that say about the industry's perception of what Hollister can deliver from a quality point of view and from a operational point of view to have a brand like that? Because that's no small decision. I'm sure there are a lot of people who were vying for that partnership. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Tommy Chong was just doing you guys, the brand was just doing you guys a favor. What does that say about what you guys are able to deliver operationally and, and QA wise? Well, I, I think it says that, you know, we are good operators, um, you know, and that we have a lot of manufacturing and processing expertise. We have access to good distribution channels and, you know, our growth prospects look really good. Uh, you know, uh, Tommy Chong, I, I believe, obviously it was relationship driven, but I believe chose to partner with us because he chose to grow with us. Um, so, you know, I, I think it, uh, it does speak volumes for, you know, our, our prospects going forward. I've got to ask, when all that really starts to roll out, what are the chances of us being able to get you and Tommy Chong on here uh, for, for a Zoom interview in the future? I, I think it's definitely possible. And, and we'll, we'll have to get Carl on as well, obviously. Carl's, um, you know, 
that that's that's Carl's relationship. But yes, I think that's that is definitely possible for the near medium future. Last question for you, and this is now, you know, the really big picture. Given what you guys are able to deliver in terms of you know, everything we've talked about, so I don't need to recap all that. And given the disappointment that cannabis investors have had in the first guard, who, who I now see becoming the old guard, right? Is it fair to say, or is it too early? Is it fair to say though that Hollister is looking like it's part of the new leadership group, the group that actually delivers what it says it's gonna deliver, isn't burning through cash, isn't missing deadlines, uh, isn't out there scrounging to reorganize, lay off 50% of their people. Do, is it too early for that? Or do you think Hollister is now with this result, this record revenue number uh, moving into leadership role of the new pack? Well, I, you know, I, I would definitely say that we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start delivering the quarter that we did, the revenue growth that we did, the fact that we're a, an MSO that's uh, that delivered a profitable quarter. Um, so, you know, I, I would say we're off to a good start and I would say that actions speak louder than words. So we hope to continue to deliver results, strong results, and, and we hope to, 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 to show future growth and, and profitability. And we hope to continue to announce exciting strategic partnerships, uh, exciting M&A, be good stewards of capital and do smart deals. But the answer to your question ultimately is I think we're off to a great start. And, and you know, I, I think we're, I don't want to say that we're there yet, but I, I think we're, we're definitely going in the right direction to, in terms of the changing of the guard that, that you spoke about. Well, I love the humility in that, in that answer, Alex. That probably speaks volumes as to why you guys are so successful at the end of the day. Because, hey, I can tell you, if a Gorecom revenue went from 200000 in Q2 last year to $8.5 million this year, <laughs> you know, I'd be, I'd be feeling pretty, pretty damn great. I know you guys are feeling great, but... I love the humility that says a lot about uh, the leadership style and kind of nose down, get the job done style. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. You've been watching or if you've been on a podcast, listening to Alex Somgen. He's president of Hollister Biosciences. The company trades on the CSC on the stock symbol H-O-L-L. For our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under H-O-B and for our friends in the U.S. under H-S-T-R-F. Now, uh, Put down Netflix, stop social media scrolling. There are more important things to do, which is due diligence. You've heard, you've watched what Alex had to say. Now you got to do your part. Get over to Gorecom, punch in the company's name or stock symbol. Uh, go through the profile page that we got there for Hollister because there's a lot to consume in one interview if you've just discovered the company for the first time. But it's all really nicely laid out there for you. Plus, you can go back and watch a couple of previous interviews that we've done with both Carl and Alex. Powerful stuff. And the most important thing you're going to get from it is that the company actually delivers what it says it's going to deliver. Due to diligence, because the cannabis, you know, in this decade is going to be a monster industry. We already know uh, that Congress is going to be voting on, on the possibility of legalizing uh, cannabis federally. Now, we know it's not going to have a ton of success in the Senate, but the shift has already started. It's going to come at one point. And you want to make sure you discover Hollister in 2020. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a fantastic day. Have a great Labor Day long weekend to everybody the next few days. And we'll see you next time.